definitely human. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It is the spring of 1929, and at the furthest reaches of the world, five embattled travellers have embarked on their final adventure, vowing to put an end to the powerful cult of an ancient and terrible evil. At the meteorological station of Little Holkirk in Antarctica, our heroes are once again faced with the otherworldly monsters that they first encountered ten years ago. Now, they must put aside thoughts of Angela Gresley and focus on survival, lest the writhing, grasping horrors drag them screaming into the infinite bad. The Doom of Antarctica, Part 5 The vast and inhospitable wilderness of Antarctica stretches outwards endlessly like the edge of hell. Bitter winds lash the icy desert with an unrivaled intensity, and the pitiless cold denies all but the hardiest of life. Here, in perfect isolation, is the Little Holkirk Meteorological Station, its lightless structure barely visible in the blinding storm. Within this small, snow-battered cabin, a nightmare is unfolding. A grotesque, squirming mass of peeling flesh and protruding bone is crawling on a hundred sprouting fingers towards Sebastian St. Battenberg and Cornelia Cavendish, who stand stupefied in the doorway, awaiting the inevitable dread. Eighteen. Six. Uh, Sebastian, you were beginning to think that maybe John and Stuart were all right, and you could kind of... I did. You, think you that. understood them as people. They seemed like you know? nice guys. Yeah, yeah. And so you you're disappointed as well as <laughs> horrified. <laughs> you gain fifteen dread. Uh, Cornelia, you were suspicious of them from the start, and this seems to confirm your suspicions. You only gain five dread. Uh, you honestly have seen worse in terms of your husband becoming a horrific monster. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, th- this doesn't take you back quite as much. 
Sebastian, what would you like to do? They're both barreling towards you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if it's coming towards me, I think I'm just going to fire again. Yeah, go for it. Make a shot. Two. Uh, it's, it's slightly harder to focus your aim on them now that they are horrific, skittering hand beasts than they were as John and Stuart, meteorologists. Um, so <laughs> your shot goes wide uh, and they, they continue slouching towards you, making unconscionably disgusting sounds as they do so. Cornelia. I would like to shut the door and lock it. Uh, okay, so Sebastian, make a dexterity check to step back as Cornelia is slamming the door shut. Three. Okay, uh, so you start to close the door, Cornelia, and and motion to Sebastian to step back, but he looks over to you as if he, he thinks you might need his help with something, but he doesn't, you're telling him to move, and he's like, no, no, what? And so he doesn't step okay. away from the door. Can I grab him and pull him in? Make a strength check. Five. So you're tugging at his collar. <laughs> Sebastian, you don't understand why Cornelia is trying to distract you when there's two monsters <laughs> right in front of what you. What is it, woman? Haven't you seen what's happening here? Retreat! Retreat! <laughs> uh, Joy and Dorothy, you're downstairs with Harvey. Uh, Joy, you've seen the exit. What would both of you like to do? Where's John Salim? Can we tell? Is he coming down? He's, in the, he's still in the office room upstairs. I'm going to like holler up the passageway yeah. to say, we're down here, John Salim, come down. Okay. You can hear Jean Salim starting to make his way down the shaft. Should I untie Harvey? He's not tied up. Oh. Mm. Um, is he still uh, conscious? Barely. Okay. I think we should explain to him that we are going to take him with us. Okay. And then uh, there's nothing that we could use to kind of, like, no sheets or anything like that in this room, is there? No, not really. Okay. Um, how heavy is he? Quite light, you would okay. estimate. Maybe... 45, 50 kilos, less even, 45. So I might be able to, I might be able to carry him, like over my shoulder or something? You'd need to make a strength check. Okay. It, it wouldn't be easy, let's say. Okay. I think I might um, get him in a position where it's going to be easy to do that, but I think I'll wait to see whether or not John Sleem or Sebastian are able to come down. Uh, Dorothy, make a perception check as you are kind of maneuvering Harvey into position. Okay. 15. As you're maneuvering him, uh, you put your hand on his torso to try to move him, and you're horrified to find that there are gaps in his torso where you expected to be able to find the purchase on his chest. Uh, you open his shirt, and you see that almost at random, like missing slats in a xylophone, ribs of his have been plucked out, uh, and you can see the skin that's healed over them, creating these horrible hollows in his chest. And he... he cries out in what must be unimaginable pain as soon as you start handling his chest oh, at all. I don't I don't think we can take him anywhere. He's not gonna Do I have a coat on or anything like that? Mm -hmm. You have your winter coat on. Okay, so maybe I'll take off the coat and we can we can sort of just roll him into that and we can sort of use it as a hammock. That won't be too uncomfortable probably. He when I had my hand on his torso, there mm -hmm. didn't feel like there were like um like hands on the inside of his torso. No, it felt like you were pressing your fingers into his organs. Oh, God. So, uh, Sebastian, mm -hmm. uh, the two, John and Stuart, are making are now within range of you, and they will attack you. Wow. Okay, so both of them um, place dozens of hands all over you. Uh, Cornelia, you watch in horror as these hands begin clawing and tearing at your flesh. You take four points of damage, Sebastian. 
uh, as the front of your winter clothes is ripped off within seconds <gasps> and um, and they begin tearing their, their rough nails into the, the flesh on your chest. You cry out in anguish. Uh, Jean-Celine has made it to the bottom of the shaft now. Cornelia, what would you like to do? Am I being grabbed? I'm not. You're not being grabbed. You're, it's just you're right next to Sebastian and both of them seem to be focusing their attention on him. Okay. <laughs> so I can stab him with my cane. That's that's all I've got. Otherwise, I want to pull Sebastian into the room and shut the door forcibly. Okay. And lock it. Both even like grab and then push with your cane, like as almost to give purchase, almost like. I can sure try. <laughs> Say back, you foul beasts! Ouch! Go save yourself. And I stab. Go for it. 16. 16, that's a hit. Roll 1d6 for damage. 6. Nice. Okay, you plunge your cane straight into the core of this nest of hands and elbows and arms and knuckles, and it goes straight in. You manage to almost weave your way in between the forearms to get to the core of whatever. You can't tell if it was John or Stuart that you're, you're, you're impaling with your cane. And almost immediately you hear this, this squealing sound emanating from the centre of this nest and the hands immediately grab the cane and they pull it away from you. The one that you stabbed staggers to the ground and it snaps the cane immediately, twitching and skittering and trying and, and, and um, trying to get back up onto its feet and onto its kind of hands that it was using to break it along the ground. Um, but it's clearly wounded and having trouble doing so. You manage then to release Sebastian from the grip of it and tug him back. Uh, make a dexterity check at disadvantage to be able to close the door in that same motion, though, because you've done quite a lot. Two. Okay, uh, you you start closing the door. You manage to pull Sebastian back, but unfortunately, uh, the other monster has managed to barge its way into the threshold and is making the the closing of the door impossible at this point. Sebastian, you can act now. Can I go backwards whilst firing? Yes, you can. You will take disadvantage to your attack roll to do so, though. Are you going backwards where? You're trying to get into the trapdoor? Yeah, going going back towards the trapdoor, yeah. Uh, Nine. That is a hit. They're right next to you, so roll for damage. Sweet. Ten. Ten? Wow. (laughs) Your bullet goes straight again into the core of this nest of arms, and you can see it lancing through multiple forearms on its way, on its trajectory, into the core of the beast. And you can see that it almost immediately slumps and goes still, very still. The other one screeches in what you imagine might be outrage or anger, um, but it, it gets back up to its feet and starts progressing towards you. You have managed to stumble backwards, though, and you're now right above the trapdoor. Cornelia is now the closest one to the remaining hand monster that is still standing. I, I guess I'm still holding my gun up to this thing, just like, go, go now. I would like to flee. Okay, so you start going down the trapdoor, Cornelia. Absolutely, yes. Joy and Dorothy, what are you doing downstairs? You can hear that whatever's happening is getting closer so to the trapdoor. I was going to say, I was going to ask Jean-Celine to help with um, Harvey, and yeah. then I was going to go up and check on the guys. Okay, so Jean-Celine looks around in a blind panic. He sees Harvey, and he goes, What? Who is this? <laughs> He's just an injured man who needs our help. Can you do that for me, Jean-Celine? Okay, uh, mate. Uh, let's see if Jean-Celine okay Jean-Celine takes a deep breath and then he says okay okay let's go let's get out of here he grabs uh, Harvey 
somewhat roughly, Harvey cries out again, mutely in pain. Um, but John Slim is, is in too much of a blind panic to listen. He just starts dragging him by the shoulders. Wow. Joy, you then proceed to the bottom of the tunnel where you can see Cornelia is starting to make her way yeah. down. How do you want to facilitate this? Well, yeah, I don't know, just help her. I mean, she's obviously lost their cane now, so. Cornelia, is everything okay? No! Oh, God, no. come on! Monsters! Oh, my God! Flee! Flee! <laughs> okay, uh, you don't need to make a check, uh, Cornelia, because Joy is at the bottom and she manages to steady you as you make your way down the icy iron ladder so you're now both at the bottom of the tunnel sebastian you're the only one who remains now in the office uh you can see that the monster that you had shot and that was lying still is slowly beginning to twitch again uh, and is showing signs of life you can see additional hands sprouting from whatever is at the core of it the other one is still uh savagely making its way towards you you will take oh okay uh, so as it's stumbling towards you, it actually gets caught up on the hands of the other one and they briefly entangle with each other uh, and have to push each other apart uh, and they lose their action doing that. It's very, very tight quarters now and they take up quite a lot of space. I just look down at them and I say, I'm not angry, gentlemen. I'm just very disappointed <laughs> that I climbed down the ladder. <laughs> closing it behind me. Oh, closing it behind you. Okay, make a strength check. 11. So you manage to slam it onto one of the hands as it reaches and grasps towards you. And you slam it a couple of times and then eventually oh. the hand recedes from uh, from the trapdoor and you manage to close it in this way. Uh, now you are all in the basement room, except for Jean-Celine, who has <laughs> pushed it towards the basement door. He's slammed the basement door open, admitting a huge blast of wintry air into the basement and he's just going full pelt dragging Harvey's body through the snow. you're not helping it. He's just like gone off with Harvey without your assistance. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was I'll, too fast. Yeah, he's so, he, he's kind of fire underneath him, I guess. Um, so are we exiting then? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, so I'll yeah. patch up to John Sleem and take the other end of the coat so that Harvey isn't dragging along okay. the floor. Uh, yeah, you managed to uh, sprint up the stairs and carry the other end so that Harvey's not making, a, well, he's not dragging through the floor, make a athletics check to do so successfully and gently enough that you're not distressing Harvey unnecessarily. Four. Okay, you grab the edge of the coat and unfortunately in doing so you twist the coat and it tips him over no. and out of the snow. The snow is soft. A, it probably didn't hurt very much, but you need to take the round to kind of in, swaddle him back into the coat. Uh, you can see that Harvey looks unresponsive. You don't know if he's dead or not but his eyes are no longer open. The rest of you, uh, you can make your way out into the snow without making any check. Mm -hmm. um, what direction do you want to run in? Can we see where the provisions are? Yeah. So you can see all around you, there's an almost total whiteout. The only thing you can see besides the cabin is the shed, which ostensibly was for the dogs. Is it still nighttime? It is, yes. What time is it? Uh, you would estimate that it's like three in the morning, four in the morning. Okay. So we can see the shed, but we can't see where our provisions would be. They're not any, anywhere within 20 feet, which is pretty much the distance that you can see in this condition. These hand monsters, are they too big to fit out the door? No. Would our supplies not just be outside the front door? You're around the back because you just come out the basement door. So you can circle back around to the front door and see if they're there. I think it's worth it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah definitely. Yeah. We can't survive Because that's that. where our sled would be as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So and when we, we finally do get these dogs, yeah. we'll need the sled. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, so you start making your way around to the front door. You can hear skittering 
Uh, and you can hear as you're circling around the cabin that they seem to have tried to follow you into the basement. And they might even have made their way outside the basement door, but you do see your supplies on your sled. It seems like they left them just outside the door when they pulled you in and they never went back out for them. Harvey on the sled? Yes. Yes. Harvey and then we sled. pull it to the shed. Uh, as you start making your way back towards the shed, uh, you can hear the skittering and screeching has grown much louder. Uh, they are both outside now and they seem to be looking for you. Do you still want to go for the shed? I think Are we going to be trapped so. in the shed? I mean, the thing is, how long are they going to last in this cold? It's true. They're not wearing fur. Anything, yeah, yeah, that's true. They're just a mass of hands. I don't know if that makes is that yeah, better or now, worse. Like, and now we've got um, Harvey on the sled. We can be pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can make it. I don't know on powdered snow how helpful these little hand monsters are. <laughs> that's true. It would be really difficult to, yeah. to get anywhere. I think yeah. we've definitely got the upper hand here. All right. Ladies, um, weapons drawn. Yes. Some of us are going to go into the shed. I think some of us should stay outside and keep a lookout for these creatures. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So who's going into the shed and who's staying outside? I'll go in. I you should go in too. Yeah, we'll stay outside. Yeah. I want to rifle through our provisions and get another coat anyway. Okay. So right now I'm a little bit chilly. Yeah. <laughs> and for Sebastian. Sebastian, your attire oh, yes. has been... You're naked. Yeah. (laughs) Your hairy chest is exposed to the elements. Like some sort of Byronic explorer. Stare at you for a while like, what? Oh my God. Uh, Again. Why does this keep happening to me? So you sort that out. (laughs) Okay, so you're going inside though, the shed. They can look for furs while we... Yeah. Let's blow the shed a little. Sure. Okay. It's better for him to be inside if he's yeah. naked anyway, so. Cornelia and Sebastian, the shed, is, the door to the shed is ajar. And you go inside and instantly it smells of dog. Uh, you do you do think that they there were dogs here. There are no longer dogs here, though. Um, <laughs> there is an enormous amount of dry dog food. An enormous amount of dry dog food. There are also multiple uh, harnesses that you believe might have been used to lash dozens of dogs to the same sled. And there is a sled. There there seems to be enough room for several sleds, maybe up to three side by side. There's only one remaining, though. Is it worth us taking a sled and harnesses with us? Or is this fantasy Mm. at this point (laughs) that we're ever going to find dogs? If we did find dogs, surely they would have harnesses and be attached to sleds. I don't think we need to lumber ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can I make a perception check just to see if there's anything of interest in here? Uh, Yeah, make an investigation check. I guess I'll root around as well. Mm -hmm. 19. 20. Wow. (laughs) Okay, so you see uh, three bottles of weak yellow tea in one of the corners. Of course. They must have fed that to the dogs. Don't even say that. (laughs) <laughs> I refuse to believe that we're about to see some dogs that have no. That's uh, fine. We don't tell Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> Cornelia, you find four sticks of dynamite. Yes. I will pocket those. Okay. Uh, Joy and Dorothy. Dorothy, you have managed to find a coat in your provisions and have put it over yourself. And you are keeping a lookout. You can tell that whatever the skittering hand monsters are. Uh, they have surmised that if you're nowhere in the cabin, you're probably at the dog shed. And so they're coming towards you and you can hear them getting closer. You're getting quite nervous now. Have I found clothes for Sebastian? Yes. Okay, so I, I'm just going to lay those out and put them to one side. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm just going to have my, my pistol drawn. Okay. Uh, Cornelia and Sebastian, what do you want to do? Um, time to leave, Sebastian, perhaps. You don't think they really would have done that to the dogs, do you, Mrs. Cavendish? I do, I'm afraid. Uh, oh, God. All right. Um, yes, we should uh, head for that X on the map. Yes, we should. Yeah, we run back to the others, I guess. Uh, you run back to the others. And I get dressed. <laughs> Sebastian, you take the coat that has been kindly laid out for you. If you're now heading for the X on the map, make intelligence checks to see if you can figure out in this very disorienting conditions the right way to go. 18, 15, 15, 20. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> yes, you are yes. all agreed. You all point in the same direction at the same time. You're like, right, let's do this. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, yeah. So you, you can start. You feel like you have a very good sense of where you need to go to reach the observation post as it was shown on the map. Uh, you flee full pelt into the driving snow. Um, slipping momentarily over the ice, Sebastian and Cornelia that formed at the threshold of the dog shed due to the warmth inside. Uh, behind you, the terrible skittering and keening sound continues, and you dare not look back even as it begins to recede in the distance. You can't know what awaits you at the observation outpost or what fate may have befallen the final explorers, Duncan and Tom. You drive forward heedlessly nonetheless, not stopping to speak to each other, barely able to turn your heads every few minutes to register the presence of the rest of your party. It's been about 40 minutes now. You don't yet see any sign that you're nearing your destination or anywhere safe. Indeed, you're completely surrounded by a whirling vortex of wind, snow and white opacity. You're disoriented, and within 15 minutes, you begin to grow seriously worried that you've fallen off course. So make constitution saves against the weather, and intelligence saves to make sure that you're staying on course. Okay. Uh, 17. 10. 18. 1. Oh, Dorothy. Okay, so this is your constitution saves. The rest of you have made them. You don't take a level of exhaustion. Dorothy, unfortunately, you take two levels of exhaustion. Uh, the coat that you managed to get out of your provisions was not as heavy and warm as the one that you've been using for Harvey. And it was the first coat that you saw, so you just grabbed it. But now you're really, really regretting that decision. So you're at the second le level of exhaustion now. So you're going to take disadvantage in your ability checks and your attack rolls. Okay. Intelligence, Intelligence checks to make sure that you're still on course. Okay. That's a disadvantage, right? Hmm? That's a yeah. disadvantage for me. 18. 4. 8. 12. Okay, so uh, you're all pretty sure that you have the right direction. Cornelia is the one who knows that you have fallen off course and you need to turn right quite sharply in order to stay on course to get to the observation post. I think we just need to keep going straight. We must turn right. What? What? Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Cornelia, None of your you back sure? chat. <laughs> we must turn right. Cornelia, we turn you... right here. Cornelia, go! <laughs> Listen to your elders, Joy. Okay, all right. Let's I make love a sharp you, right. but you must do as you're told. That is how I express my love. <laughs> we turn right. I trust all right. You. Okay, that settles that. Yeah, very nice, very nice. <laughs> okay, so you continue, and for another twenty minutes now, the flurrying snow whips mercilessly against your cracked cheeks and obscures almost everything in front of you, and you're only a few meters away when you detect a strange huddle of shadowed figures making strange jerking movements. They're about four feet high and seem heavy set. As you approach more closely, the shapes come into sharper relief and you recognize them. 
There are penguins, large and almost as tall as a man. About a dozen of them are crowded around something that steams and gives off the smell of blood and entrails. As the birds shuffle and trundle around the carcass, you can see now that it is the body of a large stag, glassy-eyed and nostrils flared. The penguins seem to be feeding on it, possessed by some sort of frenzied energy. Penguins? Penguins don't eat stag. <laughs> Make wisdom checks. There's, there's all sorts of things that don't fit about this. <laughs> At disadvantage, Dorothy. Yeah. Uh, 19. 17. 2. 3. Okay, uh, so... <laughs> I'm just like, no. <laughs> no! Cornelia, yeah. this just seems quite frivolous to you. <laughs> five dread, and uh, similarly, Joy, you, you gain five dread. But Sebastian, there's something that seems very wrong about this. You saw pictures of penguins in your books as a child, and you were always, they were always a happy animal to you. <laughs> and seeing them like this, this is the first time you've seen them in real life, so you can only assume this is what penguins are actually like. <laughs> they lied to me. They all lied to me. <laughs> um, great, so you gain 15 dread. Sebastian and Dorothy, you gain 15 dread also. I would like to avoid these penguins if we could. Mm. So can we see the observation tower? Uh, you can't see it yet, but you can see that this stag has left some tracks. They're almost immediately lost in the snow and the bloody trail that goes a little bit more or less in the direction that you were planning to go. But okay. it's almost all being lost in the snow quite quickly. Are we still hearing the skittering behind us? No. All right. Okay. Do we follow the trail? I think so. We must avoid these penguins, though. Is it feasible at all for me to get a warmer coat out? Could swap with Harvey's. Yeah. How how is yeah. Harvey doing? Yeah. And how's Jean Celine doing? Yeah. Uh, so Jean Celine is doing okay. He's keeping up. He's not really talking to anyone, um, but he is walking along, and in terms physically, he seems to be able enough to move. Okay. Is Harvey alive? Uh, make a medicine check. Uh, normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's completely unresponsive and quite cold. He might be dead, or he might be just very, very deeply under the influence of hypothermia. Can I make an occult check on Harvey yeah. to see what I can discern about his injuries? Yeah, sure. Advantage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should you be doing an occult check on the stag penguin situation as well, or is that a bit like just too random to. I would also suggestion. do one okay. on that, but I'll do Harvey first. 15. Uh, so clearly Harvey has been subject to some sort of, his injuries are not mundane cannibalism, let's say. Uh, you can tell that the ribs that have been extracted from him, there's almost a ritual pattern to them. Whatever motivated John and Stuart to do this, it wasn't simple hunger and desperation. They were clearly trying to create something from him or do something to Harvey that goes beyond the mundane. Okay. I would further like to do an occult check on this whole stag-penguin situation. Go for it. 14. So this stag, this very stag, reminds you very much of the one that woke you up at Draco Hall 10 years ago. And looking down at it, a bolt of recognition runs through you as you can remember waking up and looking down at its steaming, snorting nostrils. That whole episode flashes back in your mind quite vividly. We killed that stag, right? You did, you killed that stag. And indeed, the way that it's just glassy-eyed on the ground now reminds you of the way that it died, again, well, from gunshot wounds at the time. Okay. 
Um, Cornelia's never forgotten about that first episode, the man in the fox mask and now the stag. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not taking Harvey's coat. That. What about my coat? Is my coat nice and warm? And... You have a nice warm coat on now, yeah. All right. Uh, I swap with Dorothy then. Yeah. But my is my coat going to fit <laughs> Sebastian? <laughs> massive bulk. Just <laughs> extremely tight <laughs> ladies' coat. Is it impossible to go back to like? Did I not have? No, no. You have a warmer coat in your provisions. You can get it on now. Would that be? Would that be okay? Do we have long enough? Yeah, yeah. While while Cornelia has been investigating the the stag. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do that. I would like to make a medicine check on Harvey. Go for it. Four. Uh, You look down at him. His eyes are closed. He seems blue. He's dead to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's pretty dead. You've seen this before. (laughs) (laughs) Dorothy, I hate to tell you this, but I think our friend here is uh, no more. He may be dead or he may be suffering from extreme hypothermia, but either way, I think we just need to get him somewhere and we can do further assessment somewhere less cold. One of the penguins has begun trundling towards you, Dorothy. Mm -mm. It makes strange kind of clucking noises. And then it starts pecking at Harvey's chest. (gasps) What? No. What the hell? No. Okay, yeah, let's get uh, get the bird away. What? what? Shoo! I would like Shoo! to kick the penguin. <laughs> yeah, how do we even let the penguin get close enough to my patient? Well, you you were all just, yeah, you didn't really know what it was going to do. It just trundled up to you. Can I make a strength check to kick the penguin? Yes, please do. Oh, don't kick the penguin. No, kick this the is, penguin. This is, this is weird. Guys, eleven. eleven. Uh, it's a, it's a solid kick. Like <laughs> oh a, a god! Punt, like a pushing kick, uh, and the penguin looks looks somewhat um, disgruntled, and it stumbles backwards. Uh, the other penguins seem to have taken notice and uh, seem Uh-oh. to be trundling all together now towards Harvey. Are we going to have a fight with a group of penguins? <laughs> I it think, looks like that's what we're doing. I right think now. we should leave. I think we need to leave. Yeah, Let's we leave. can run faster than they can trundle. That's true. All right. Let's book it. I'm not about to stop punching penguins. <laughs> I still feel betrayed by these penguins. <laughs> let's follow the tracks. Okay, yeah, let's follow yeah. the tracks. Okay. Uh, you follow the tracks and not for too much longer. It's barely five minutes of continued walking and further shapes are now coming to view ahead. Although these show no signs of moving. As you approach, you begin to make out the outline of a dog sled. And there's various cases of equipment strewn haphazardly where the sled toppled. A man's body lies face down in the snow, splayed heedless to the cold. Next to it, a smaller huddled figure lies. And as you take in the scene, you begin to see it tremble almost imperceptibly. What is it? Is it a dog? Uh, Yes, it is a husky. (gasps) And it has stayed next to uh, the dead body of the the man. Oh my god. It was a good boy. It was a really good dog. It still is. It's alive. It's trembling slightly, but still seems... Can I do a medical check on it? (laughs) Yes, you can. But not at... In fact, at disadvantage, because you're not even a vet. (laughs) Ten. Ten. Uh, Yeah, you can tell that it's a good boy. Um, (laughs) What a relief. Uh, it's it's very very cold. It's you know it's a husky, so it's evolved to deal with this, or it's been bred to deal with this kind of cold. But it's not doing well at all. Uh, it seems very very sad, and it's not responding to your attention. I'd like to give the dog a hug. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> Sebastian, uh, you don't need to roll for that. You can uh, lie down in the snow and start giving the dog a hug. Uh, suddenly, you hear a flash, and then followed by a profound silence, as if the howling of the wind has been in an instant sucked out of your ears. Your eyes squint in the glare of the sun, and as you stagger and struggle to adjust, you see brilliantly clear blue skies above you, stark against the pure whiteness of the snow. The dog sled still seems to be in front of you, but now it is completely buried in snow. Only the tips of it crest the surface. The dog is dead. Its body is dried out and stiff, leaning against the sled in a last vain attempt to find shelter from the cold. As you look around, dazed and disoriented, you see in the distance, further inland, a gleaming as if reflected from glass, some structure lies in that direction. Then, from one blink to the next, you are returned to the vicious blizzard, and the dog sled is once more uncovered. The dog, though, is no longer moving. <laughs> so upset. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. Cornelia Cavendish allows herself a grim smile, even as her shivering hands reach instinctively for a walking cane that isn't there. First there was the stag, an omen sent through time and space, obviously meant to provoke a premonition of some kind. And now, this bizarre distortion of time, a vision that likely eludes her companions, but that Cornelia understands all too well. It is of no surprise that it would fall to her to make sense of these portents. She has a deep and intimate understanding of the occult, and has been a conduit for the spirits ever since she lost her husband, Brendel Cavendish four decades ago. It has become clear to Cornelia that, despite all of these supernatural events revolving around her in some way, fate has dictated that she is too old and frail to mete out righteous justice against these agents of evil with sufficient force. But she can at least be a guide, a wise woman, imbued with an arcane knowledge to show her companions the right path. She places a hand on Joy's shoulder and fixes her with a penetrating glare. How fitting, she thinks, that her fierce, headstrong young daughter should inherit her calling. It is with some satisfaction that Cornelia can see, behind Joy's expression of utter confusion, a deep understanding of her role. You've been listening to The Doom of Antarctica, written by Giorgio Mariani and produced and edited by David Knight and Tom Dalling, with music by Jonathan Day. Starring Eleanor Kohler as Dorothy Taylor, Maximilian John as Cornelia Cavendish, David Knight as Sebastian St. Battenberg, and Charlie May as Joy Dutton Cavendish. I am Giorgio Mariani, Game Master. You can follow us on Twitter at The Infinite Bad and support the production of this series on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash definitely human. The Infinite Bad is a definitely human production.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.